Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandy, and today I'm talking about teaching your children. How do you raise children in the world around us? God didn't give you promises and say during the 21st century this will all fall apart. Sin will become greater than my word. How do we teach our children the word of God, guaranteeing a great future for them and for those around them? We'll get into that today. Join me. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Glad to have you here. I want you to open with me to Proverbs chapter 4. This is where we're going to begin. We're going to take a look at verses 20 through 22. And while you're finding that, I just want to tell you the emphasis of this broadcast today is teaching your children the Word of God, the most important thing. How do you do that with your children? The book that I'm offering is the book of Proverbs on this particular uh, broadcast about teaching a children, especially. In fact, the key word throughout the book of Proverbs is my son. And this is application of what David told Solomon. And uh, Solomon remembering what his father had told him for the time he grew, uh, he was growing up and how that Solomon, you know, got off track down here, but always came back to the track of the word of God. Remember the Lord in the days of your youth is what he wrote at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes. So we're going to talk about that important thing is because, you know, you can look at all these things. We always want to direct our children into some occupation direct them into the Word of God. If you go to the Word of God, listen, occupations may not carry you through. In fact, occupations may not exist a few years down the road because things change so rapidly, but the Word of God lives and abides forever. And so we'll be talking about that. And again, for those of you that are watching broadcast for the first time today, hey, glad to have you with us. And uh, this is what we do on a day-by-day basis. Just take different aspects of the Word of God, open it up, dissect it, see what the Hebrew word are, the Greek words are, open them up. And I am a teacher of the Word of God. So I, I was a pastor for some 33 years and taught my congregation as if they were Bible school students. In fact, I told them for the very first day, you're my Bible school students. I said, what's going to happen is you'll leave from here smarter than when you came in. And every time you leave, you'll be smarter. And I'm just going to treat you like you are Bible school students, but without the uh, tests, of course, no no particular exams that are getting to have, but just to teach you the Word of God because this is what is so important. So when it comes to the Word of God, you know, as far as we're concerned, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And as uh, in this verse of Scripture, Solomon's reflecting back on what his father told him, hearing's going to come first, then seeing. But with little children, seeing comes first and hearing. Why? Because as you grow older, you remember more what you hear than what you see. But when you're very young and you, you know, haven't formed words yet, don't have a vocabulary yet, cannot understand exactly the noises coming into your ear, that the most important thing for a child is what they see. And so we're going to talk about that. And so teaching your children, we're going to talk about with children, they need to see it first before they understand it. But with an adult, hearing comes first, then understanding. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but that's addressed to adults. What we find in with children is again what they see. There's a commercial on TV. I think it's so fun. It's it's old couple, you know, and they have their grandchild there. They're helping to raise a grandchild, but the grandchild's laying there in a crib and, uh, you know, rocking it back and forth. But anyway, they just hooked up this, you know, system where it's all, you know, done with, uh, uh, you know, hooking it up to the internet, your TV set to the internet. And the, and the old man sitting there trying to figure it out. He finally gets it down and they finally turn and there's a children's station on with some cartoons. That baby's laying there. The baby suddenly starts looking at the screen. You know, that baby doesn't understand what they're saying, but that 
picture captured him. And this is how we present it. And we're to keep the word of God ever in the eyes of our children and show them through their lifetime, you know, after they switch from hearing, uh, seeing to then hearing the word of God and understanding what they hear, it's constantly the rewards of what the word of God will do in your life. And so, uh, you know, when it comes to hearing and hearing for us and what it produces in us, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Once you understand what the word of God says, then you need to start setting goals for yourself. See yourself as already having it. What do I mean by that? Well, when it comes to healing, you know, see yourself as healed and understand that Jesus said it's a done deal. And uh, being healed by the word of God simply means when you put your faith and trust in the Lord, believe that you have past tense already received it. If you've already received it, start acting like a healed person. When it comes to finances, then you see yourself as already your needs are met. Even though you don't have it in your wallet, you see yourself as having the finances there because you believe that you have received it. How important is that? It's very important. Then you start acting like you have it. This is what the scriptures are going to say. In other words, if you believe that you are healed and you reach out and receive that and see yourself as that, even though your body says no, your face says yes, because the word of God says it, then that's the time to start getting out of bed. Put your one foot in front of the other, start acting on your faith. And this is true for many things in life. If you see yourself as prosperous, then start giving a little more to the church and give a little more to the kingdom of God into the works that God has put before you. And by doing so, keep increasing it from time to time to time. And that way you're acting like a person who is prosperous according to the word of God. And what a prosperous person does is he doesn't hoard it on himself. A prosperous person in the kingdom of God gives into the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is why you prosper. So I have extra to put into eternal things, not into just temporary things, a new car, a swimming pool, or whatever I may desire in this life. That's all right if you stick them at the bottom of your list, but put it at the top of your list. I want to help sponsor more missionaries. I want to sponsor more orphanages. I want to help give into the work of those people around the world that are spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ as well as increase my tithes into the local church that God has given me and placed me into. It was said of Jim Carrey, and this is just something that happened to him, and I'm not saying Jim Carrey is a believer or even setting an example for us as a believer, but in his own life, he began to see himself as already attaining before everything happened. He came from Canada, came down to California, drove a, a you know a piece of junk car into Los Angeles, didn't have much. But what he did was when he got his first little acting thing, which only brought in a little bit of money, he was a bit actor at that time, he sat down and wrote himself a check for $10 million, put it into his wallet at the back of all the dollar bills and tens and fives that were there, at the back of that, that way, and you could see that check all the time. Every time he'd open up his wallet, he could see that check in there. And what he did was that was a goal he set for himself that one day for playing some part in some movie, he was going to receive $10 million. Well, it was always in front of his eyes, and so he saw it. Keeping the word of God ever in front of your eyes, ever in the midst of your heart, is really what caused it to come to pass. And you don't believe when the money comes. You don't believe when the healing comes. You believe the moment you pray. And when you pray, you believe you have received it and you start acting like it. 
It doesn't mean you go and start bragging in front of everybody. No, you just simply between you and God simply say, Lord, I put your word first. If I have trusted you, this is what I'm going to have. Lou Holtz was challenged by his wife years ago when he was just first starting out to write down any and all dreams that he had. Those he wished would come to pass, not even those that might be top on a prior list, just write down everything you would really like to do. He sat down at the kitchen table, wrote 107 goals, including eating dinner at the White House, appearing on Johnny Carson, meeting the Pope, coaching Notre Dame, and to win a national football championship and make one hole in one. So far at the time of the article I read, he'd already accomplished 81 of these goals, but he just would write them and then they would just scratch him off as soon as he met them. the number of those that had happened outnumbered those that had not happened. So we see it coming there. Just something to set in front of you. If you really believe you have received spiritual things, write those things down and set them ever in front of you. Now, Proverbs chapter four deals with this. And this is really what happens. In essence, what I'm telling you is, I'm not saying Lou Holtz is a believer. I'm not saying Jim Carrey was a believer and is a believer. But you know what I am saying? If it works for sinners in this natural realm, what if we apply this to spiritual realm and then back it up with the word of God? Proverbs chapter four says this in verse 20 through 22. My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear. Notice that the ear comes first for an adult. Incline your ear to my sayings. That's the word of God, the promises of God. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Life would include the new birth, us walking with Jesus. It would include the natural things of life, but also health to all their flesh. I want you to notice the order of it. First of all, incline your ear to my saying. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Then keep it ever in front of your eyes. In other words, fasten the two greatest inputs into your life, your ear and your eye, and put those things as first of and keep the word of God ever in front of them. Have those times of spiritual development during your day. Have those times when a verse of scripture before you keep it in front of your eyes, you glance at every so often, and then that way meditate on them in your heart, and this is what will cause it to come to pass. Make the word of God number one in your life. I'm not saying you don't listen occasionally to classic rock or that you listen to you know some country and western or you might have the news on, but you know what? You begin to limit those things more and more, and the main thing coming into your ear and into your your eyes is hearing the word of God. You might have a CD on, or you might have yourself a flash drive on in your car and other times, then in front of your eyes, when you sit down for lunch, you know, at the office or something, open up a book that you're studying from and keeping the word ever there. And that's why it goes on to say, then they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. What you see and listen to continually is what you'll meditate on throughout the day. And so first of all, the word enters our heart two ways. First, through the ears, and faith comes by hearing, but secondly, through the eye gate. And again, by continuing to hear and to see, the word is established in our hearts. Faith again causes it to do that. And then vision and hearing causes this to be stabilized in our heart. But if I want you to notice something, vision is a necessity. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he who keeps the law is happy. This vision isn't just something physically in front of your eyes. It's a vision that's established in your heart. But how do we get it in our heart? Keep it ever in front of our eyes, ever coming into our ears. Vision is something that's 
in the mind. It's what the vision of the inward man sees. And we talk about that, that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. This is from the book of Ephesians. So vision is to the mind what physical sight is to the body. Physical sight says, that's my destination. I'm heading over there. Vision is to the mind. Here's where my life is headed to. This is going to be my first roadmap. This will be my first indicator. I'm on my way. And sight shows what's in front of us right now. Vision shows our future. Vision is like previews of coming attractions and your future right now is unwritten, but your vision of it is present at this moment. I haven't got there, but that's where I am headed to. And so these are godly visions. This includes our call, but it also includes our natural life here on this earth. In other words, I have a spiritual direction I'm heading to and a natural direction. And what I want is those two to mesh together to where I am pleased with the calling on my life. And I am pleased and happy with the work that I'm going to be doing in this earth. So your brain uses the same amount of energy. Visualizing something is actually seeing it when it comes to to pass. Proverbs 19 and verse 21 says this, there are many plans in a man's heart, but it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. In other words, there might be lots of plans you have, but look for the things of God that he puts his stamp of approval on it. Again, Jim Carrey, I mentioned that, but he was taught this by his father. The command to put the word of God in front of his children's eyes is found often because children possess what they see more than what they hear. As they grow older, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But you use your natural senses and actually have them trained to discern between good and evil, what's of God and what is not. This is just great stuff, isn't it? I'll see you right after the break. Many Christians are quick to confess all that they are, all that they have, and all they can do. They appear to overflow in knowledge of righteousness, healing, authority, and many other spiritual truths. Yet for all this spiritual knowledge, many of these same people are foolish and unlearned when it comes to the practical things of Christian life. As James said, my brethren, these things ought not be so. The book of Proverbs is a prime source of the wisdom we need for daily existence, and a close study of it is well worth our time and attention. Attention. In Proverbs Wisdom for Today, Bobby Andine discusses what wisdom is, its benefits, how to find it, where it comes from, and how to receive it in order to help you live a life of wisdom. To order Proverbs Wisdom for Today, go to bobyandian.com. This newly revised and expanded handbook is packed with biblical wisdom and practical guidance from the pastoral trenches. It will help to equip and encourage you in your ministry. Bobby Endian, a veteran pastor of more than 30 years, provides answers to common questions relating to your everyday pastoral duties and personal life. Bob covers topics such as the first pastor's conference in Acts 20, passion versus calling, daily schedules, living a balanced life, wolves after your sheep, the glorious church, pastors need pastors, whose flock do you pastor, spiritual workaholics, Family Before Ministry, The Pastor's Heart, and The Bond of Peace. Bob will help you apply timeless biblical wisdom to the issues and dynamics of today's pastoral ministry. To order, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, 
healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. When I was in high school, we used to have an occupation day. That was the day when we, um, you know, they would basically take all of us, we'd dismiss a class, and we would all go to the gymnasium. And in the gymnasium, surrounding the walls all around us would be different occupations from the city of Tulsa. And so it was amazing. They'd turn us loose in there. And uh, it was interesting to watch what happened after that. Over here, you might have a car dealer. You know, I'm speaking for the guys right now. And it might be a Chevy dealer or a Ford dealer or Dodge or whatever it may be. And the kids going in there, and there was those guys that just loved cars. I was a car guy. Okay, loved cars. And my favorite was Chevy at the time. But there was Ford guys. We'd often get into arguments with each other. And, you know, Mopar, which one's the best one of all? We'd have all the arguments about that. But you turn us loose and we'd head into that auditorium. Guess what? I'd see that Chevy emblem and I was over there. I wanted to find out about Chevys and all this. And so it could be that, you know, they had they had job positions that were available for mechanics or for salespeople or whatever it may be. Some of the other guys were into other things, but also turn them loose in there, you know, and one guy might walk in there and man, he just loved airplanes. American Airlines was in there. So they might run over to American Airlines, finding out what positions might be available for them. And to simply watch that place just, you know, turn into that. We had some guys who were interested in law, some in business, some becoming salespeople. And to turn them loose and watch them run toward these different occupations in there, as well as the women. And the women, I mean, something to do with motherhood, they'd run over there. Something to do with uh, watching over children, you know, such as working in a nursery for children or or working in a, you know, a place where the kids can get educated, a public school system or whatever, the girls would run there. And the amazing thing was, was hardly any two or three people ran to the same table. Everybody had their own likes and dislikes. And with the walls surrounded by these things, we'd look there, you know, and pretty soon all we'd spot something and run to it. And the thing of it was nobody ran to a table because they paid more money. They ran to a table because that's what they liked. And what I'm saying is parents, be very wary of this. Don't try to shove your kids into an occupation based on what they could make, first of all. You didn't do that. What I'm saying is, let them go to a thing that they like on the inside. I've had parents tell me this, well, my daughter likes this, that, but we know there's not much money in that. How do you know that? My first thing is this, how, what if your kids like trash? You say, what does that mean? What if they love collecting garbage? What if they can't wait for Thursdays when the trash collectors come around and they just love to push that little cart out there, you know, and put it out there by the curb and come back there? You say, well, that's kind of stupid. No, it's not. What if somebody really, really, really like trash? You say, what does that mean? Well, think about this. There's trash companies out there that kids thought of ideas that could help it. And now the largest waste management is in the world. And to think this kid just had an idea for trash. And you say, well, what do you mean? He loved it. And so still loves it and the business keeps growing and became the largest in the world. Think about that. He didn't think about money. He just had a better idea for something. And this is what really occupations come out of is what your kids want to do. And there's that old expression, if you love what you're doing, you'll never work a day in your life. You enjoy what you're doing and money is just a byproduct of it. My greatest appreciation is to see something I have done to contribute to a person's life and to make it simpler. And I sit back with that knowing I have greatly affected the, you know, system around me, my city, my state, my country, and maybe even the entire world. This is what Deuteronomy chapter six tells us, is that this should be done something from the home. And really, you know, I, I was raised up under Pentecostal uh, revivals uh, in the 1940s into the early 50s. I was there. My dad would take me to Oral Roberts meetings. In the late 60s, early 70s, you know, the charismatic movement came through, then the word of faith movement came through. And I mean, there's 
lots and lots of movements I was under. But the amazing thing was, is we often thought if we took our children to these meetings that somehow by osmosis, they would pick this up, get saved in a meeting, you know, dedicate their lives to the Lord and all that. We just made sure they were in meetings. I think meetings are important, but the most important thing is, is the home teaching your children. Deuteronomy chapter six, verses one through 11 tells us, I've, listen, I've taken segments of this verses of scripture, pulled them out and taught them. I just wanna leave them all in context, verses one through 11. And that was the fact in our own home, my children, my wife and I and our children, we didn't make the word of God some special time during the day. And back when, listen, when the charismatic movement occurred, we used to have a thing called family altars. This was something being taught nationwide. It's important that during the day you take your children sit them down and teach them a section of the scripture and they get it from their mom and dad. Well, I found something more important is don't just take a time of the day. Let the word of God infiltrate everything we do and treat everything as a learning experience. We didn't have those times of family altars. Once in a while, if something came up, I would mention scripture, teach around it to my kids, but I can tell you that was very rare. We made everything in life a teaching moment for them. In Deuteronomy chapter six, let's start with verse one. These are the commandments, the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land you are going to possess, that you might reverence the Lord your God to guard all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, your son and your son's sons, all the days of your life and that your days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it that it may be well with you. The Hebrew word as well as the Greek word this is quoted from in chapter six and chapter five of the book of Ephesians, that it may be prosperous with you and that you may increase mightily as the Lord your God of your fathers has promised you in the land that flows with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart. How do we get it in our heart? That's the verse we began with. Verse seven, you shall teach them diligent to your children and talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up and you shall bind them for a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. And so notice this, here's what you touch the word of God. Here's what you see in front of your eyes, frontless between your eyes and you shall write them on the posts of your house and on your gates. And of course we see this with strong Jewish, Hebrew believing people in this earth that they have the uh, frontlets on their eyes. That was the thing of the Pharisees in those days back with Jesus. And on their doorposts, they have those, you know, the, 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 the thing they rub on the front door. It says, and it shall be, verse 10, be when the Lord your God shall have brought you into the land which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you great and good cities which you did not build, houses full of good things which you did not fill, wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. What's this verse simply saying? Make teaching the word of God part of life. Don't make it a time where you sit down, grab a notebook, open the Bible and, and do that. That's for the church and that's for other things like that. And this may be something they do from time to time, but you literally live it in front of them and make everything a teaching time. 
when the kids would get up. I mean, we talk about the things of God. And it wasn't something we had to do or make it up or, or force a time to where it becomes something you force yourself to do. It was just part of our general con- our conversation. And as they leave, we say, well, see kids later. And, you know, remember the Lord. I mean, if you come into problems, pray over that, that test, pray over those things coming up and depend on God's help. And we just taught them is one of those things they do in life. And it's like eating a meal. We always prayed over the meal. We didn't make a major thing out of it. It didn't have to be heavy intercession over the meal. It's just a simple thank you, Lord. It's sanctified by the word of God in prayer. They learned that. Those moments are important. When we sat down to watch TV, I mean, there's things we would watch that were general family things, but once in a while, something would come up. That agenda of the world was shoved in there and it was taught that it was all right to live with each other or have sex with each other before marriage. And we, as they would go along and say, you know, the word of God says that's not right. Here the world's telling you, but you know what? You don't get your instruction from the world. You get it from the word. And we would bring that up in front of them and talk about that. This says that what you do is when they wake up in the morning, you begin to talk about the things of God. When they walk by the way, you talk about the things of God. When you send them off to school, you talk about the things of God. Uh, When you're walking along with them and you have time in the afternoon, you go do something. When you see things that line up with the word of God, tell them when things contradict the word of God, you tell them. When they lay down, you might pray with them before they go to sleep and talk about how the Lord that protected them today will protect them tomorrow. When they get their driver's license, we tell them, listen, I know there's signs out there with speed limits and all that, but you know what? Those things don't protect your life. Angels protect your life. And when you get into the car, just give God a piece of thanksgiving as you sit down and say, Lord, thank you for protecting me today. If I run into any situations on the road, you're going to handle it and take care of me. And you do that. And God, again, can lead them, guide them, and instruct them. And then there comes a day, which this says, is there comes a day whenever your kids leave the home that you know what happens? I can tell you what happens. The word of God now takes the place of the parents. The parents show them the word, teach them the word, but there comes a day when they leave their parents, but they never, ever leave the word of God. John Ashtaroth, and uh, he was a famous uh, uh, businessman in the world around us, but he had a picture of a home one day. And actually early in life, he picked a picture of a home and put that out there as a model of what he wanted to uh, have one day. And he had a book filled with his dreams. And I mean, different things were in there. But one day he pulled that out because he hadn't put anything in there for some time. His life had reached a point where it seemed like everything he ever dreamed of and more had come to pass. He opened up that book and found the picture of the house that he had cut out from a magazine and placed in there and pasted in that thing of one day he'd like to have a house like that. And he looked at it and suddenly it shocked him. That's a picture of the house he was living in. He had no idea when he found that in a magazine years before that when he now looked at it and said, that's the house we're living in now. Oh, can you see the importance of setting these things in front of your children when they're young? One day it's going to come to pass. They'll see these things and it could be God will actually lead them into the very thing they wanted to come to. When it comes to occupation, don't tell your children money comes first because money doesn't come first in anything in the kingdom of God. Trusting God. Tell them to settle into something they desire in their hearts. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them, you shall have them. Proverbs 3, verse 21 through 23. My son, let them, that's God's promises, not depart from your eyes. Guard sound wisdom and discretion. Show shall they be life to your soul and grace to your neck. Then you shall walk in your ways safely and your foot shall not stumble then that will produce correct life values in your children, the priorities of life. Proverbs 23, verses four and five, labor not to be rich. Did you catch that? Don't work just for money. Go to work because you love what you're doing. 
that what desire do you have in your heart? Labor not to be rich and cease from your own wisdom. Will you set your eyes on that which doesn't exist? For riches certainly make themselves wings and fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Next of all, they'll have power to make correct decisions in life. Proverbs 23, verse 26 and 27. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my way. For a whore is a deep ditch and a strange woman is a narrow pit. Now that's a strange way to end this broadcast, but what it's simply saying, it'll protect you from the natural things of life, the natural things that Satan comes against you with, but it'll also keep you from those desires, those wrong desires that the word of God will stop you. And it simply says there's gonna come a day, even with sexual things, that you might desire the wrong thing, but the word of God will show you to come back to the right way. Where does all this come back to? And that is the word of God is set above everything. If God has exalted his word above his very name and said is the highest thing in the universe, then why don't you do that for your life? Set up the highest thing in your life is to following Jesus Christ and teach your children this so that one day when they grow up, it will become literally something that will lead them and guide them into all prosperity of life. That's the importance of your children and the next generation. See you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.